0: At the end of the day, any education at any institution is gonna be about what you make of it, right? So at ALU, for example, we stress uh, peer learning. We have a great community of student entrepreneurs. What can you learn from your peers who are also running ventures? What can you learn from their successes as well as their failures, et cetera? So there's lots of ways in which students can take advantage of their education that aren't just focused on what they learn in the classroom.
1: Hello and welcome to the AOU podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, where we explore more on being a bold entrepreneur leader. I'm your host, Savannah Olo, and today I have with me Gaidi Faraj. Gaidi is currently the Dean of Faculty and Academic Affairs at the African Leadership University. He uses his experience to offer a student-centric and project-based education to a diverse Pan African student body. Today we tackle the role of academic institutions in nurturing entrepreneurs, and true to AOU's nature, we are bringing in exciting insights on how experiences in the education industry influence ways in which we adapt to changing times. Most importantly, how have we been able to align different social institutions such as parents, teachers, and students in pursuing values and principles when it comes to entrepreneurial leadership? He also answers and asks a very key question as to why we should all be futurists. Want to know more? Well, stay tuned and know it all. Join us as we uncover a whole new world from our very own Gadi Faraj. Gaidi, thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Tell us more about yourself and how you got to learn about ALU.
0: Um, it's actually an interesting story. I came to learn about ALU um, after I had I had lived for about 12 years in Tanzania, I was in the private sector, um, had some small businesses of my own, but I also represented an investment company there, and I had decided um, that I wanted to move back into academia. I was very interested in the whole Africa rising narrative, uh, what was going on in terms of economic growth and development across the continent, and I had actually started looking for academic spaces uh, back in the United States, and a friend of mine who was a consultant in Tanzania as the one who pointed me towards African Leadership University. And so uh, through that, I got connected with the school, and I felt like it was a really good bridge between my interest in business and uh, economic development in Africa and academia.
1: Okay. All right. So how did you get to join AOU?
0: Um, So this person actually um, connected me with somebody who was on the faculty at the time, and I actually began talking to to that person about joining the Mauritius campus as a social science faculty. Um, My background, my PhD, is in African diaspora studies. Um, My first degree was in sociology. And so I actually began conversations with the social science faculty, Um, but then I began speaking to Youssef, who at the time was the academic director in Mauritius, and he expressed uh, a desire to pull me over to the business management side, which was much more uh, aligned with what my interest was. So that's how I joined ALU. I initially joined as a faculty member in business management on the Mauritius campus.
1: Okay, Um, so you recently published an article on LinkedIn titled "We Should All Be Futurists," where you mentioned that COVID nineteen has created an opportunity for a shift in global mindsets, and that it is particularly important for the continent of Africa. What opportunities lie ahead for the continent, and how can our young entrepreneurs strive to be futurists?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a great question. the The whole point of being a futurist or futures thinking is about preparing for the preferable future. What is the future that you want to have? Um, and that's what futurists do. And you know, I would kind of pose the question, well, if we don't prepare our students to be futurists, then we're leaving the job to somebody else. right? And so who do we trust the most to make decisions about what the future of Africa should look like, the future of our communities and respective countries that we come from? Um, You know, I always use the example in business courses when I'm talking to our students that in 2014, there were zero Pizza Huts or KFCs in sub-Saharan Africa. And now there's more than 100 across the continent. And who benefits from this? Is this the future that we want? Is this the future of economic development that we envision for the continent? And if we kind of project that forward in five years and 10 years and 20 years, what will those numbers be? And who will really control um, economies in Africa? And so that's where I think futures thinking is really important for our students to really kind of think systemically about what they want the continent to look like and what they want to control. And in terms of what COVID presents, um, you know, a lot of people have talked about, well, when is this going to end, when we kind of go back to the, to the regular normal. And we have to ask ourselves, was normal working? Do we really want to go back to that? Or how can we use COVID as a moment, as a springboard towards something new and something better? Um, recently, we saw that um, France, um, initiated kind of the canceling of CIFA in West Africa. And so that becomes a moment where we can think about how do we reimagine monetary systems in West Africa. Um, We see a lot of multinationals are scaling back, going to more remote work, uh, pulling out of the continent. Um, So how does that create opportunities for for new businesses? We've seen disruptions in international um, supply chain. Right. And so there's been shortages of products and it's created um, spikes in prices in the markets. But how does this create opportunities for local manufacturing? So all of these disruptions are also opportunities for us to think about how do we fill these gaps and really begin to do for self on the continent?
1: Okay, so in your opinion or in one statement, what would you define a futurist to be?
0: A futurist is someone who... um, plans possible scenarios for the future, and then sets a strategy in place to get the most preferable scenario to come to fruition.
1: All right. So um, getting deeper into your role, you bring together various students from over 35 African countries from different academic systems as well. It must be challenging to, um, to have a community that has to transition from having study in different official languages to an innovative university model. How has your academic team been able to handle and address this to ensure that students are able to study seamlessly?
0: Yeah, it's... It is a challenge, but it's also, you know, we love challenges. Challenges create opportunities for us, and so we see this as a great opportunity. We talk about ALU kind of being a a springboard for the next generation of Pan-African leaders who are really going to go out there and bring change across the continent. And so it's essential that our students actually get to engage with people from a multiple a multitude of countries and backgrounds, uh, economic backgrounds, education backgrounds, so it can really begin to understand the nuance of how uh, challenges manifest differently in different communities. And you know, going back to the conversation we we're just having about being a futures thinker, we're about, we're about thinking about the future. And so we really want to focus on what our students are going to um, be able to do when they leave ALU and looking forward and not so much looking past. So we don't want students to come in feeling constrained by the economic background that they might come from or by the different uh, educational experience they might have had. Because some of our students come from very privileged private schools, and some of our students come from um, rural public schools and public schools in which it might be an English medium school, but they're taught in the local language, so they get to AOU with uh Uh, their English is not as strong as some of their peers. And we have systems in place to help them increase their capacity and their confidence in their language skills. But we really want students to leave as uh, problem solvers and as leaders. And so we give them mindsets and skill sets to be able to do that. Because we really want to build confidence and build competence in our students. So we're not so concerned about where they come from and what they've uh, encountered in the past, but how do we really prepare them for the future?
1: So further into what you do for the um, African Leadership University, you've received a very high caliber of guests such as Naomi Campbell, students from um, Stanford Graduate School of Business, the Jackman Foundation representatives and the like at, Rwanda, at the Rounder campus. More often than not, they're usually intrigued by the entrepreneurial leadership emphasis in the ALU curriculum. In your opinion, why do academic institutions need to integrate entrepreneurial leadership in their usual academic curriculum?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a a great question. And it really helps us uh, distinguish between entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial leaders. So when we talk about entrepreneurial leaders, we're really talking about problem solvers. And at AOU, we often say that uh, an entrepreneur is someone who can do more than anyone thought was possible with less than anyone thought was possible, and that's one of the mindsets we really try and instill in our students. Um, in today's world, this ever-changing, kind of fast-changing world, it's important that we have problem solving. You know, we had COVID, and then you've got these global protests blowing up around uh, police violence. You've got. Uh, the Me Too movement that's spurring a lot of um, activism and outrage around um, sexual assault and sexual abuse of women. Um, and then those things are taking off globally and they create opportunities for problem solving in policy areas, in, um, in other systemic areas beyond just kind of economic development and business and that's where entrepreneurial leaders can really step up and make a difference. And I think a lot of more traditional institutions are recognizing that their students are not really seeing the value because they're leaving school not prepared to engage with and make a difference and add value to this ever-changing world that they're a part of. OK.
1: Oh, OK. That's that's some really great insight right there. I didn't think of it that way um so um in terms of uh, speaking of academic curriculum sorry um the relationship between a student parent and teacher is key in the academic success of any student however some parents tend to have misgivings with their usually ambitious entrepreneurial mind entrepreneurial minded children as the head of academic affairs what would your advice be to ensure the goals of the all parties are met
0: well, at the end of the day our parents want their children to be successful. Right. And the reality is students who graduate today are graduating in a much different world than the world that their parents were encountering when they were college-age students. Right. And and a lot of them might not have gone to college, but the world itself was still very different. Um, You know, an example of, um, you know, if you graduated from from university in the 90s, early 2000s, you were pretty much guaranteed one of the better jobs available in most sub-Saharan African countries, right? There was not that much competition for college graduates at the time. Um, That has changed significantly. The number of new institutions that have been built, the number of college graduates that are entering the market every year is substantial compared to what it was just a generation ago. And so that creates different dynamics. Um, By the same token, the world of work has changed significantly. Yeah. Um, it used to be that people were taught to expect to have a single career. You find a good job and you settle into that good job for your entire life. And that's not the world that we live in anymore. It's, it's common to expect uh, young people to change careers three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a degree of uncertainty that young people are encountering that their parents never encountered. So training students for a singular fixed career is not setting them up for success. So we have to teach our graduates to be nimble, to be flexible, and to be entrepreneurial minded. And parents have to understand that. If they really want us to set their students up for success, there's a different mindset that's needed today than when they were young.
1: So it's essentially um, seamlessly integrating three different worlds and addressing, and in, in, in how they address or tackle the same problem. Am I, am I getting you right?
0: not even yeah yeah we're definitely all tackling the same problem right at the end of the day we want student success we want our students to be able to get out there and really add value to society but that takes a different strategy than Mm -hmm. it would than it took a generation ago. and so it's parents really kind of uh, we want our students to embrace new mindsets but parents have to embrace new mindsets as well and parents have to understand that the strategies that worked for them are not the same strategies that are going to bring success Mm -hmm. to their children
1: So speaking of being more flexible, more agile and, you know, sort of just having a different mindset, um, what are your opinions or is it justified to drop out of university in a bid to run a startup?
0: Um, I don't believe that there are any kind of uh, universal truths for anybody. So I wouldn't say that it's uh, a good idea or a bad idea for all students. But in general, I would say no. I would say students should not drop out as a general rule. There might be exceptions to that rule, but the reality is that um, entrepreneurial projects are risky. Most of them are not successful, mm-hmm. and the examples of successful ones usually actually come from people who start businesses when they're kind of middle-aged. And so they've spent okay. you know, their young adult years getting experience in the workplace. Um, there's also plenty yeah. of uh, studies and statistics that show that Um, people who have college degrees earn a significantly more amount of money over their lifetimes than people who don't. So to drop out of college is essentially just agreeing uh, to leave money on the table. And I would never recommend to our students to just leave money on the table. Um, (laughs) A lot of businesses also fail because they lack some of the basic skills that are necessary to run a business. Right. It's not that you don't have a great idea um, or, or vision, but do you have the skills to run the business, the basic mechanics of a business? Um, and we believe in the value of an AOU experience, so we would never encourage somebody to not get that full experience.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Venture by AOU, a free course for entrepreneurs. Do you want to know how to overcome entrepreneurial challenges from real life experiences? Well, Venture is an online course designed for young and aspiring entrepreneurs. It features more than 10 AOU entrepreneur leaders who will guide and inspire young entrepreneurs. You can find Venture on venture.aueducation.com. Once again, venture.aueducation.com Venture, a course for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Now back to our conversation. So how relevant can um, an authentic academic yeah. experience enable a budding entrepreneur to succeed?
0: It, it really depends. It depends on the student and depends on what they're trying to do. But at the end of the day, any education at any institution yeah. is going to be about what you make of it. right? So at AOU, for example, we stress uh, peer learning. We have a great community of student entrepreneurs. Yeah. What can you learn from your peers who are also running ventures? What can you learn from their successes as well as their failures? Yeah. What can you learn from our expert residents who come yeah. in and share their own professional experience? Um, what can you do to um, enhance your network so that when you do go out and start your venture, you know yeah. that you have people that you can uh, rely on when you need someone to come and fill a gap with your business or introduce you to a possible investor, et cetera. So there's lots of ways in which students can take advantage yeah. of their education that aren't just focused on what they learn in the classroom. But- when you do think about the academic experience, a student has to be um, self-aware yeah. enough to acknowledge where their weakness is and think about how they can use their academic experience to skill up in those areas where they have weakness. They might say, okay, well, my financial accounting isn't yeah. great, so let me pay more attention to that class, maybe do some office hours with one of the faculty, and improve my skill set in that particular area. Maybe it's in marketing, and they know that you know yeah. they're an idea person, but they're, they're more... Um, introverted and they're not good at kind of doing the outreach side of things and so how can they upskill themselves in that particular area so students yeah. have to really think about what are the areas that they can improve on and how do they use their academic experience to enhance themselves to upskill themselves so that when they do really uh, get out in the world and launch their venture they um, have set themselves right. up for success.
1: Wow Gadi thank you so much for you know giving us that amount of insight and amount of um, you know the level of advice that you've given us as well. I hope um the listeners on here our young entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs heed he these advice and you know take take sort of the perspective of, you know, you knowing what has happened. So um maybe if you have any last words that you might want to um share with our young aspiring entrepreneurs.
0: I, I think what I would leave um, our entrepreneurs across the continent on with is that this is a long game. When you talk about Um, Being a problem solver, whether it's in government or policy, whether it's starting a venture, whether it's going into um, the NGO and and civil society, this is a long game. We're not looking for quick fixes. We're looking for people who are really committed to solving problems um, that will have generational impact. And so I know people can get excited about an idea, can want to run out there and change the world overnight. But there's a saying, if you can move one grain of sand, you've changed the world forever forever. And we want students to, to pace themselves and get out there and try and move one grain at a time. You don't have to fix all the problems everywhere all at once. This is a long game. And if we're going to be successful, we need patience and diligence and, and working together.
1: Kadi, once again, I really want to thank you for the learnings and insight you've provided on the episode today. It's really interesting to look at it from a perspective of the Dean of Faculty and Academic Affairs. Usually it's a very high up office that a lot of universities um, make feel that is not accessible. But it's, it's great to have you on the podcast to share that insight with us as well. So we are definitely looking forward to interacting in the future, both on and off the podcast space. And yeah, thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Great. Thank you, Savannah.
1: Well, our beautiful listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Just as a reminder, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Music for a chance to subscribe and have exclusive access to all the gems of knowledge we drop here. This is the AOU podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa. Real stories, real experiences.